welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. You can also find me on my other podcast, Straight Up Paleo. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join the Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. Yo, what's up, guys? I am so excited for you to hear today's interview. It's long, but it's excellent, and I know you're going to love it, but I have actually a ton of updates for you, so I need to just plow through those because we just got to get them out of the way. The first thing you need to know is that I'm opening up another round of my Paleo Women Lifestyle program. It's a group coaching program and it's five weeks long, but you can go through the content at your own pace, but I'm there to help pace you along if you desire to go through with the pace of the group. Limited spots are open. You get to be in a Facebook group with me and all the other women in the program, other like-minded individuals, and I basically teach you everything you need to know about health and wellness. We talk a lot about nutrition, macronutrients, how to build a balanced plate. We talk about balancing hormones, but we really talk a lot about making this a lifestyle. So we talk about stress management. We talk about exercise and fitness. We talk about what to do with family and friends. We talk about how to eat out. We talk about the top mistakes women make when it comes to health and wellness. And the reason I created this program was because this program contains all of the information I wish I had when I was first trying to live a healthier lifestyle because I was just running around Googling things on random blogs, getting a lot of bullshit information, and I just want everything in one place for you, and I want to create a community of women who are all there supporting each other. We can collaborate, give each other ideas. It's so much fun, and I love the Facebook group, but I love the group coaching calls. I do live group coaching calls with the ladies, and we can talk about anything and everything, and it's a really great time to be able to see each other and get to know each other better and just have an open discussion, and we get really close when we make friends, and it's just a really good place to get all of the health and nutrition information you could pretty much ever need, plus talk about the lifestyle factors. And I focus on women in this program because the truth of the matter is health is different for women. We have a lot more to take into consideration, and I feel like a lot of the health information that's put out there is you know, put out there for men because a lot of studies are done mainly on men and us women are delicate flowers. Well, maybe we're not delicate flowers, but we have different hormones and that is incredibly important to take into consideration because sometimes trends that we see in the media, maybe they work better for men than women. We just we need to take into account some other things. Plus, the hormones is a big one, which is why I have a whole separate module for that. So what you're going to get 
are the video and audio lectures for me. There is a ton of content and like I said, I paced it out for you week one through five, but you can totally do it at your own pace on your own time. There are no time requirements. It's always there for you. You get the weekly PDFs and downloads. You get access to the private Facebook group and then access to the live video coaching calls and you get access to all this forever and ever as long as I run this program. And, you know, if you can't make the live coaching calls, they're always recorded so you can rewatch them. You can hop on the next one. I do them at different times. So I pull, I take a poll in the group to see when the most people can join. So you're bound to catch one, but it's a really, really great community and I would love to have you in it. So this next group is going to start on July 2nd and signups are going to be starting June 25th. And I cannot wait. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And keep that in mind if you're if you're ready to join the group. And if you're in the self-study program and you would like to join the group this time around, simply email me and I will let you know exactly how you can upgrade from self-study to the group coaching program. I'm seriously so excited. This is going to be so much fun. I think this is the perfect time to do it. You know, it's summer and maybe you are going back to school in the fall or maybe you're traveling a lot and you want some support and living a healthy lifestyle. I just feel like it's a really good time of year to kind of like pull things together, figure out where you're going to go next. And I also know that a lot of people did Whole30s in June. So if you're trying to figure out kind of where to go from there, then this could be a really good resource for you. So I'm very excited about this. You can get all the info at bit.ly slash paleowomenlifestyle. The link will be in the show notes. It's also on my website, christinaricewellness.com. And get all the info there and get ready for signups on the 25th. And I'll be sending out links in my newsletter. So make sure to sign up for that so you know when signups are. And I will also be posting about it on Instagram, of course. So that's kind of the update with my Paleo Women Lifestyle program. It is so much fun. And my second big update is about the retreat. The Straight Up Paleo Retreat is set for August in Austin, Texas, and I'm so excited. Unfortunately, some things have come up, and sadly, Kara will not be able to attend. And so there were basically two options. Either we refunded everybody and didn't do it, or I took the reins. So I decided I'm way too excited about this to let the opportunity slip by and I have some really, really fun things planned. So I'm sort of taking over and I'm changing this from a straight up paleo retreat to a wellness realness retreat. The reason I love podcasting so much is because it connects me with so many amazing people. For example, when I get to meet listeners, nothing makes me happier because we usually have a lot in common because we like the same sorts of topics, you know, all of the things. And I would love for you guys to come. So it's still going to be the same general thing, but I've added a few more activities. So the weekend is going to be filled with a ton of workshops about nutrition, cooking, mindset, energy work, body image. We're going to do a lot of 
a lot of self-work and I think you are going to get a lot out of this emotionally as well. There's going to be a cooking class with Kelly from Kelly's Clean Kitchen. We're going to do workout a workout at the Onnit facilities. If you haven't heard of the Onnit facilities, look it up. Incredible gym. We're going to do some some walks, some outdoor hikes, a yoga class. I have some acupuncture coming. Some facials are going to happen. There is just going to be a lot of good quality time to get to know me, to get to know each other. You're going to probably meet some people that you'll stay friends with for a long time. And we're going to cook some delicious food together. We have a bunch of meals planned out. I'm super excited and I have some really fun things up my sleeve. So I would just seriously love if you guys came. Plus, you're going to get some killer goodie bags with all of my favorite products like Somnifix, Primal Kitchen, Simple Mills, Picnic, Vital Proteins, Barucas, Clear Stem, Peterson's, Beauty Counter, so many fun products. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I am also going to offer you listeners a sweet deal. So If you have left a rating and a review on iTunes and you're a member of the Facebook group Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe, then all you got to do is take a screenshot of your iTunes review and email it to me at Christina at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. So Christina at ChristinaRiceWellness.com is my personal email. Send that to me. I'll check that you're in the Facebook group and then I will send you a promo code that will give you $100 off of the retreat because I really don't want the financial aspect of this to be an issue. I'm doing this retreat because I really just want to create this community and get people to meet in real life. And I mean, it has to cost something because a lot of work and product goes into this and yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're going to get a lot out of it. It's cheaper. I'm pretty sure it's cheaper than a Coachella ticket, and you're going to get way more out of this than Coachella. So definitely sign up if you haven't already. And if you need help coordinating, you know, lodging, I can help connect people so that you can share an Airbnb. And thankfully, there's some pretty cheap Airbnbs in Austin. So it's going to be so much fun. And you can head to bit.ly slash CRW retreat 2018 for all info. And there's also a link to that in my Instagram bio. There is going to be a link to that in the show notes. So again, bit.ly slash CRW retreat 2018. And I cannot wait to see you guys there. And if you have any questions, just email me. Happy to discuss it with you. I just really want to meet you. So those are my main updates. And I now want to introduce my guest. I'm so excited to have her on. This is going to be an amazing chat with Jessica Rothenberg. And I know Jessica through Sal Stefano, who is one of the hosts of Mind Pump. And I'm sure you guys know Sal. He's quite the character. And Sal has been on my podcast maybe four times. And Jessica is Sal's girlfriend. So that's how we met. Obviously, she's incredibly intelligent. I think you have to be to date Sal. And her and Sal are pretty similar, except Jessica's not full of herself like Sal is. Uh, I'm just kidding, Sal. Kind of not. 
<laughs> but Jessica is so sweet. She is so intelligent and has so much knowledge to share. And I told her, I got to have you on my podcast. I need my listeners to hear from you. And when we recorded this, she actually trained me earlier in the day. So she is an online coach and a personal trainer. And we did a workout before we recorded this. She got me to lift some heavier weights than I'm used to, you know, made me sore the next day. It's all good. But it was really fun because when I was in the Bay Area, I got to go over to their house and we had dinner. Sal cooked these huge steaks and it was glorious. And then they let me read their tarot cards and Sal freaked out. Jessica was super into it. It was so much fun. You guys know I love my tarot cards. And we had this balm tea which I think we, yeah, I'm pretty sure we started off the episode talking about it. It was so good. So yeah, it was just a lot of fun hanging out with them. I seriously love her. We have a lot in common, so I really like her. Um, But she's so much fun to get to know. I'm sure you guys are going to adore her. So much knowledge and info. And she just, she knows her stuff when it comes to fitness and health and nutrition and has a really balanced outlook. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. And make sure you check her out on Instagram at the training hour. She has a ton of fabulous posts there and she's getting her website up and running, but you can find her there. So really excited for you guys to meet Jessica. And without further ado, here's our conversation. That tea last night was so good. It was really good. It was so good. We need to get tea together. Yes. At some point. And we should probably look after this, what I have here, because I have like dozens of different kinds. Yeah. Nobody appreciates it. Oh, I will love it. I love it. What's your favorite kind? Right now, I'm really liking the Raishi from Four Sigmatic, but usually I drink a lot of kava tea. Oh. But I have to switch it up with kava and chamomile because sometimes I've noticed if I do kava every night for too long, it doesn't really subdue me the way I like. Yeah. I, well, what happens if you drink that earlier in the day? Do you only have tea at night? I usually only have it at night because okay. I also am a coffee fiend. So so tell people, tell people what the benefits of kava tea are. Um, well, for me, I can tell you anecdotally because I'm not, yeah. um, I'm not like Sal, a, a library of what, what's good for you, but, um, it definitely can calm me down, wind me down at the end of the night. I like, I need a moment where I like actually wind myself down. I can't just go to bed. It actually really bothers me to try. So if I do, like if I have kava tea and if I, wear my blue light blocker glasses, or if I like just turn the lights down, all those things on their own probably are like inconsequential. They don't help. But if I do them all together, mm-hmm. I really can tell myself that I'm like relaxing. So I like I that. I like the little nighttime ritual. I actually want to ask you about your daytime ritual. Like what's a day in your life like? <laughs> a day in the life? Like yeah. I mean, like what's your morning routine? Do you have a morning routine? I do. It's not really a routine. It just kind of happens. So we wake up at like 5, 5.30, and I wake up slowly too. I think that's just how I am. Like I can't go to bed on a dime and I can't wake up quickly either. I just, you know, wake up slowly. I like to enjoy the morning. I like to enjoy the quietness of it. So I make coffee and I make it in a French press. So I purposely have to wait for it. And I sit in the dark room <laughs> and Sal will come downstairs and say, why are you just sitting in the dark room? <laughs> you creep. <laughs> and he's like, what are you thinking about? I'm like, I'm actually not thinking. I just, this is the one time where it's so quiet where I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm just chilling. 
Um, and then I have my coffee, wait for that to kick in a little bit, water my plants, and then I get a good workout in. My workout is in my garage because I have everything I need, which is really awesome and Lucky. super convenient. <laughs> um, so I get a good workout in. And then I usually have anywhere between two to four hours before I actually start working and going to the gym that I work out, uh, work at. So I, that's when I get all my errands done or I clean up the house or whatever. And that's just the quiet me time and listen to my podcasts. And this morning I listened to your podcast. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And then I go to work and I tend to work later in the afternoon and evening. So I don't come back. So that's the problem. I come back and it's like almost time to go to bed right away. Yeah. And I can't stand it. It just doesn't work. So I have to have a little bit of downtime where, you know, me and my boyfriend interact with each other and we talk about the day and then we get stuff ready for the next day. And then I have my tea and I unwind and then I go to bed. Mm -hmm. So it's not super, super fun or anything. No, but I just think it's interesting to hear how people lay out. It's hard. I feel like it's really hard to just come home and go straight to bed. Yeah, I've never liked that. And sometimes it has to happen. And, you know, sleep is really important to me, too. So I can be really like my own worst enemy where I want to stay up and like, Mm -hmm. you know, unwind slowly. But I really have to go to bed because it's late now. So it's like, okay, sometimes you just have to go to bed. What time do you go to sleep? You wake Mm -hmm. up at five. That's so early. 10.30 ish. Okay. Give or take an hour if I'm, you know, but usually it's about 10.30. Okay. But I much prefer it that way. Interesting. Okay, because, okay, so for people who don't know you, so you, like, personal, you're a personal trainer, mm-hmm. right? I'm a personal trainer and online coach. Okay. And so what would be the difference between those? Uh, the difference between personal training and online yeah, coaching? Yeah, like, the, is it different clientele? Absolutely different clientele. That's actually a really good question because for, I feel like there's a different sort of readiness for people who hire me as an online coach, and I don't think that's because online coaching isn't necessarily that different. I think it's because the way I advertise my online coaching is through my Instagram. Mm -hmm. So people see that I'm, you know, sort of more holistic and I'm not going to just give you a food plan. So they're already ready for it. So Mm -hmm. the people who come to me, there's sort of a selection bias. They come to me when they're ready for that. Yeah. Whereas personal training, which I also really like and I find it very fulfilling, but that's, um, you know, they come in and they get a good workout with me and I go over programming with them. But for the most part, it's something I do on my own. I don't teach them. Um, But through it, I have some clients who are really open-minded and really want to communicate with me, and they they want to learn about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So we can end up talking about their food or their health life or just different aspects of health if they're open to it, but it's not something I push. Whereas with online coaching, that's going to happen, you know, so it's already on the table. So it's a lot easier to delve into people's, you know, health issues. Yeah, because so because with the online coaching, you're really looking at all aspects of their lives yes well we're trying to that's that's the goal and we tell them you know there's no holds barred here because i do this sometimes with myself or i do it with my boyfriend sal so you know we let them know in the beginning and we really try and make the space for them to know that you can talk about anything Mm -hmm. if you feel that it pertains to your health Mm -hmm. then it does and let's do that i'm not going to poke and prod too much because you know people have a private life but for the most part we go into as much as they're willing to what I mean, in working with people, what do you find they tend to need the most help with? Like, what aspects of their lives? Hmm. Um, you know, there's some commonalities. Everyone's different. Everyone's an individual. But we have a lot um, of female clients and a lot of people need help connecting. Actually, I mean, that's, that's for males, too. Um, 
connecting dots of what what things they do do to their body and have have what results Mm -hmm. i think sometimes people are walking around with you know thinking why is this happening to me why does my neck hurt why am i tired why am i depressed and the answer is right there it's right there and the last thing you want to say to somebody is well the answer is right there because that doesn't (laughs) sound very nice yeah so you kind of point it out for them and you just say oh well maybe it's this maybe it's that and maybe you get some resistance when that happens and that's fine too Um, and you don't want to poke too much past resistance at first you let people kind of take their time you know whatever they're ready for at their own speed but most of the answers that we need are right in front of us and we just need somebody to connect the dots mm-hmm. and and then once they start to connect the dots you know or they start to let you connect the dots for them you can start saying well now you can do this and you can do this every day you can observe yourself without judging you know this is bad or good you can just observe hey my strength is up or hey i feel weaker today or hey i feel moodier today or and then you can you don't even have to think of a reason why that is. You can just note it down mm-hmm. and just start becoming more observant of yourself. And that, I think, is the number one health tip I'd give anyone is just become more observant of yourself and your actions yeah. and cause and effect. Is there... So, like, what demographic do you work with mostly? Would you say the majority of people the tend to be... majority of people tend to be women. Uh-huh. Um, anywhere from 20 to 40. Okay. 25 to 40. Um, a lot of ex-competitors, a lot of people who have, like, I don't get a lot of people online coaching who have never worked out. Okay. It's very rare. Personal training, that might happen. But online coaching, it's usually people who have had a very extensive fitness background, and now mm-hmm. they've sort of hit a wall, or they've plateaued, or they want to go in the more holistic route, mm-hmm. or, you know, that sort of thing. I want to talk more about that. I think that's really interesting, all these people who maybe were competing, Mm-hmm. or really heavy into fitness and then what's making them plateau or hit a wall um i mean it's different for everybody but a lot of people i mean in the fitness world it's just so much so much bullshit can i swear on yeah that? we we <laughs> love to swear we love to swear okay good because i swear like a sailor yeah do it um i mean i think that there's a lot out there that is just the wrong information and i can say that that's the fitness industry that's doing that and it is but it's because that's what the people want the people want quick fixes they want to know what's going to make them thin right now what's going to you know make them super strong right now and they just you know they're willing to do to take shortcuts Mm -hmm. to make that happen and so what we're left with is a bunch of people thinking that you know really intense workouts are the best way to do it and just calorie cutting is how you lose weight and it's like, well, well, no, your event that will work for a limited period of time, but eventually your body is going to adapt to that and and slow down your metabolism, or you know, stop working for you, or be in recovery mode all the time, and and you're not going to feel good, and a, and you might resist that you don't feel good for a while. You might tell people, well, no, this is I feel great, yeah. When really you you don't, and you just don't know what feeling great feels like, or you've forgotten, and you know, life will tap at you in so many different ways. At some point, it's, you know, sometimes it gives you a little subtle tap on the shoulder and, oh, you have a little, you know, back pain. Sometimes it's like, oh, you have a full-blown autoimmune reaction to something. And whenever you're finally ready to be like, okay, I'm going to listen to the signals my body's sending me, well, then, well, that's when they call me, usually. Yeah, I'm so curious. So you talk about a lot of people are doing really intense workouts and stuff. So what, what types of things are you seeing people doing that they think is the way to go that probably isn't serving them in the long run um i think that they're over 
overutilizing intensity, underutilizing consistency and frequency. They're thinking um, that they need to feel the workout at that moment. I think people forget that they're going to go on living, they think, for just this moment. They're like, well, I'm just going to do this intense workout and it's going to feel really hard. But it's like, well, no, you have to remember that tomorrow is coming and that you're Mm going to want to work out tomorrow too and the next day. And you want to spread out your your workout routine or whatever it is you're entering into your life. So when people say, you know, I'm going to try this new thing, whether it's for fitness or nutrition or or some other health practice, I say, okay, put it in your life slowly and systematically and, and maybe log how you feel while you're doing it. Because if you just, you know, right away start working out intensely, it's not... I mean, you're not going to see what you want to see from it. You're just going to burn out really quickly. So for the most part, it, with with exercise, it's too much intensity um, and a lot of ego training. I know I have the ad- advantage of working out in my garage, which is great, but mm-hmm. there's no reflection of my ego in there except for the mirror. But when you go to a gym, everybody in there is showing you who they are and they want to lift the heaviest or be the loudest or, you know just show that they're working super hard and I've seen people like just throw their weights down and then like pant on the floor to show how tired they are and it's like nobody cares nobody cares well that's why it's all become glorified and I see that you know why that's like part of the reason why I don't like going to the gym right but like I see this like on Instagram culture it's like so the best workout and there's someone's laying on the floor panting you know and I'm this is why people think that that is a sign Mm. of a good workout yeah. I mean, we want to show ourselves so much. And, you know, what's that saying where they say confidence is quiet, I think. Mm-hmm. And usually if it's not real confidence, then what happens is it's a loud expression of whatever it is they're trying to show. So when you go to the gym and you see that, and when I see that, all I see is dysfunction. And it's like, okay, not only do people not care about what you're trying to show off right now, but you're also limiting yourself. You're limiting your returns. So you have to ask yourself, are you here at the gym because you want a fit and healthy, well-moving body today, tomorrow, and the next day and moving forward? Or is it because at this moment you want attention? Mm-hmm. And if that if that's the case, if it's at this moment you want attention, that's okay too, but let's be honest about it because there's probably a better way to do that too. Yeah. But... You know, it's the same thing, like I said, when the answer is in front of you, if somebody says, well, I just don't know why this isn't working. Well, I mean, we can go to half the people in the gym and tap them on the shoulder and say, well, this is why, because your workout is for everyone here. It's like it's an audience, you know? Yeah. But let's be real. Most people are in there because they want to lose weight. They want to change their bodies. Yeah. Right. And then they're basically told that to do that. Yeah. They think to do that, that you have to be just going after the intensity that's true yeah a lot of people do think that i mean it's really hard to get the message across to people that you don't have to do that Mm -hmm. it's very hard um because it goes against everything we know that you're supposed to work hard for it and if it's not hard and grueling then it's not going to work yeah and unfortunately what i've learned is even though I've tried very hard to kind of push that message down my friends and family's throat, it doesn't work. I just have to be that. I just have to do that and be a good example. And I know that's a cliche way to say it, but it's true. Um, You just have to show what that can do and then feel very confident when you talk about it, so confident that you can be quiet Mm -hmm. and so confident that when you talk, you don't have to push your point across. And when people come to you, you feel like, you're going to say what you say with conviction. And I used to be very nervous to say certain things that were controversial as far as fitness or nutrition is concerned because 
I would get a lot of naysayers or a lot of my friends would say, no, that's not true. But, you know, if you stand firm with your beliefs, and that doesn't mean you're not open-minded, but if you stand firm with your beliefs and you're convicted when you talk, people, that goes a long way, Mm -hmm. I think. So, I mean, I also kind of want to, we've talked about this, we talked about this earlier, how you were saying it was hard because you came from a place where, I mean, you had to get back in shape, Yeah. right? And so it's hard because you you knew the information, but people weren't listening to you because of, yeah. because you weren't there yet and you were in the process and it was taking you time <laughs> to fix your metabolism, right? Yeah. So I had, I had already, I was similar to the people that would hire me now mm-hmm. where, meaning that I had... You know, in a nutshell, I was very unhealthy when I was younger, overweight, um, ate just a standard American diet, processed food, then lost a lot of weight in hindsight, realizing I did that incorrectly. But I still, regardless, I lost all this weight. I became this fitness, you know. What did you do to lose the weight? <laughs> I only, I pretty much ran every single day and just cut my calories. Wow. And I would eat like, what do you call it, lean cuisines and Diet Coke and how did you feel during that time? You know, at the time, it's hard to know because it's so, I was telling myself that I was doing something that was good for me. Mm-hmm. So I thought I felt good. And in comparison to what I felt before, maybe I did. I was very happy that I had taken, I will say this, I'm not saying diet Coke and, and just running is a means to health. It's not but everything in context and considering what I was doing before, which was not caring about what I was eating, not caring about my body, not moving, it was a step forward. Mm-hmm. So I, I did feel good in that regard. Um, but then when I, you know, sometimes you s- step back enough to look at yourself, and which I did at some point, and I'm like, okay, this is not, this is not what's going to be sustainable for me. And I went on tour. I worked for Cirque du Soleil. I was not in the show, but I... I was working with all these acrobats and all these people who were very health-minded. So I decided, okay, I'm going to try and switch my focus to health a little bit more than just, you know, just trying to lose weight. And I got a little bit better. I started eating more real food and vegetables and whatever, which for me was very strange. <laughs> <laughs> but I still feel that my my motivation really was at that point to be healthy. I just didn't have the right information. Yeah. And I didn't know that I didn't have the right information. So I think that happens to all- a lot of people. A lot unfortunately. Of people. It's very unfortunate. That's why it's, it's so hard. It's unfortunate because maybe all these, you know, wrong choices are what really galvanized me when I found the right one. Yeah, you know what true. I mean? So I try to like embrace every part of my whole journey. But basically, I I was focused on health. I was doing a lot of things that maybe some of them were healthy. Maybe some of them were not. But I still, I didn't have the right information. So I was still cutting calories. I still worried too much about the way I I you know, worked out. I wanted to look hard. I worked out like three times a day. It was ridiculous. Oh my God. And I thought that was normal. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, remember my vision is a little bit skewed at that point too, because I'm working with these acrobats who are like elite athletes Mm -hmm. and I'm comparing myself to them because I have no other peer group at the time. Yeah. What type of training were you doing? Um, well I did a lot of cardio and then I did aerial silks, which is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you hang this big ribbon type thing from the ceiling and you climb up it and do all this stuff, which I excelled at. So I, because I excelled at it and it was the first thing I had excelled at physically, I just went full oh, force into it. I'm like, I'm going to do this all the time. And if I'm not on the silk, I'm going to practice to do things to be on the silk. I'm going to practice flexibility. I'm going to lift weights. I'm going to do cardio so that I'm lighter to be able to pull myself up the silk. Like it was mm-hmm. just all about that. So that takes incredible strength. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I still don't even I don't even know. It it was really cool actually to see that, oh my god, I can be strong. Yeah. I had no no concept that I could ever change my body or be strong before that. Zero. I was mm-hmm. just like, I'm I'm big and I'm gonna be fat in my mind for the rest of my life and that's mm-hmm. just that's it. That's all. So it was a really big turning point for me mentally. But like I said, maybe I didn't have the right information. So, you know, fast forward. How old were you um, during that time? I did that from 23 to 27 because I was on tour for four years. And then I moved back at 27 and I'm 31 now. So when I moved back, I was here for a very short time before me and my husband at the time decided to get a divorce. And so when that happened, divorce is horrible. Well, usually. (laughs) And um, (laughs) it's horrible on the mind, body, everything. And my body just did not react the way I wanted it to anymore. It was like whatever plateau I was headed toward from working out and eating the way that I did, I hit it harder. Mm -hmm. I hit it sooner because so much stress happens when you're going through a divorce that it just compiled, right? So then I found myself really like I would eat one thing and my stomach would bloat a bite of something and I would just look pregnant all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and you know I I would run three times a day and I would still be just maintaining my weight I wouldn't even lose anything and I would eat very 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 low calorie and nothing was working my body hurt and I just was gaining more weight actually at that point I think I'd gained at least 15 pounds and so you know, I kept trying and then I think, I can't remember what the change finally came from, but I I believe I met Sal, Sal Stefano, and so he's my boyfriend now, but at the time I met him and he was this guy who did a, a Mind Pump podcast. How did you meet him? Um, I worked, so I was just becoming a trainer. Mm-hmm. So imagine that, I have all these issues and I'm a new trainer. Yeah. I'm like, oh great, <laughs> this is a way to sell myself. <laughs> <laughs> so... I worked at a gym that he used to own and was still working at at the time. Okay. And, you know, he he puts his podcast on my phone, so I start listening to it. And at first... He I'm, does that with everyone. He does, he does do that. I was like, well, this guy. I'm like, okay, fine. So then I listen to it, and at first I'm resistant to it. I'm a little taken aback because he's so... And the guys on the show, they're they're right about a lot of stuff, but they're very opinionated, and I'm don't want to hear a lot of what I'm hearing because mm-hmm. it goes against what I know. So I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to work at this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, then I listen a little bit more and I'm like, okay, well, the stuff they're saying makes sense. And it's sort of like the stuff I just said. You you want to underutilize intensity and realize there's other gauges you can think about when you're working out. And, and so I started talking to him more and we decided we were going to put me on a new regiment we were going to correct some imbalances I had because I had a lot of shoulder pain at the same time as well and we're gonna you know work out the right way and we're gonna start with resistance training and we're not gonna go you know balls to the wall the problem is is that you can't simply just take somebody who's running three times a day with low calories and just automatically say okay we'll eat more calories and lift lift heavy weight that might be the result you're gonna get to in the end, but you have to get there slowly because if you just do that with somebody, they're going to rebound hard. Mm -hmm. So we had to keep my calories low, slowly cut out the cardio um, and start lifting weight. And then as soon as I started lifting weight properly and noticing signs and signals of strength and and muscle building, 
then I can, okay, now I can up my calories a little bit at the same time and drop ca- and drop cardio even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really systematic approach you have to take. And there's other things in there like, you know, you need to undulate your calories. You don't want the same calories every day, all day. Um, and you want to play with whether carbs, high carb or low carb is a good thing for you. So tracking is really important at this time. And then you want to be patient because it takes some time. So it mm-hmm. took me about a year before I really started seeing my body and my metabolism change and, you know, my body was responsive again and it felt yeah. like my own again. And so, yeah, it can take, it can take a lot of time. I'm glad you said that because a lot of people, they need to hear a number like that. Yeah. Or even, I mean, I was talking to somebody else recently who was talking about her, you know, HPA axis dysfunction and yeah. she was like, you know, it took me at least three years to recover yeah. and people need to understand those numbers because they don't want to hear it Mm-mm. but this is the reality you can't just say i've been doing this for two months and it's not working no and well you have to i have to constantly remind my clients that the same expediency that they were looking for that got them into this mess is mm-hmm. not going to be what gets them out of it mm-hmm. like you have to get yourself out of that mindset because that's the problem and it's not to say that in the first year i noticed nothing mm-hmm. and that i had to wait a year until you know, things change. I can see along the way that things are changing. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself that maybe it's not the change I want yet. Maybe I'm not, you know, losing the weight I want or whatever. But I am noticing, you know, my sleep is better. My skin is better. My my mood is better. My strength is increasing. Like these are signs. And when you realize that those are signs indicating you're going the right direction, it can be um, just as gratifying. It can yeah. keep you on track. Yeah. As long as you know that. And I was lucky at the time because I had Sal reminding me that th- these are the signals I'm looking for. So after that happened, I thought to myself, you know, first of all, I went through this for a reason. If mm-hmm. it's just for me and I and I learn from that, that's great. But if I can teach other people from that, then it can be, it's not in vain then. It's for a reason. And I, and I want to do that. And I learned mostly from that that it's not the facts just the facts and information that people need it is the support Mm -hmm. so that's why i started doing the online coaching yeah because the support it takes to get somebody from point a to point b is just invaluable so i mean that's where i'm at at this point yeah and i think what's hard for a lot of people with that whole process though is just feeling like they just they can't trust it you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's very because tough. Because part of it is you just kind of have to trust the process and give it time and wait for those other signals, Yeah, like you mentioned. Well, but like I was saying before, my girlfriends at the time during that year where I'm, you know, trying to lose weight and I'm talking to them about the things I'm doing and because I don't see it right away and they don't, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, I don't, they're kind of being naysayers because I'm not I'm yeah. not showing the results that they want to see yet and that can make my confidence go down so for me at that time it was honestly um an active action for me where I decided I'm not going to talk to my friends about this because mm. it makes me feel like I should I should be somewhere sooner it makes me feel like I'm this is taking too long and I don't I want to stick with the process and I want to just be confident with that so I'm not going to be around people who don't understand that yeah and so that might, I think that seems, that might seem extreme to people, but I'm Maybe. the same way. Like, because that's what it's like. So how do you deal with these naysayers or these voices in your head? No, it's not working. You're not, mm. you know what I mean? But I was the same, like when I was going through 
stuff with food, I was like, I'm just going to listen to my nutritionist and everybody else who's in, who's telling me, no, 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 you're doing it wrong. I just have to block out. Yeah. And the way I had to block it out was literally block it out. It wasn't no. just standing strong in the face of them. It was like, I just can't be oh, around. Oh no, I became almost like a hermit. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm just going to take, so I thought to myself, I can't not have stress in my life. But at that time, you know, I'm dealing with a little bit of my own HPA axis dysfunction and stuff too. I know that part of the protocol is to limit stress or to mm-hmm. manage stress better. So part of the protocol for me was I'm just going to take those things out of my life that aren't, I'm, I'm not going to judge those people because it's not their fault. But if it's not serving me, I'm just going to keep it at arms, at arms yeah. length. So I did that with everything that was stressing me at the time. And mm-hmm. I did that for me because there was no way that I could be a good trainer or a good girlfriend or a good friend if I was not feeling 100%. And I'm like, this is it now. My, my cup is empty and I have to mm-hmm. refill this. So yes, it seems extreme. But hey, I would rather go the extreme route because I had to for one year than be halfway, half-assing it for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think it's not extreme though because the issue is that people don't think of stress the same way they do other things that have to do with health. Like if someone said, you have to take this medication for your health, no one will question it. But if I say... I can't go out. I can't do this because it's going to stress me out and I'm yeah. taking care of my health. That's not acceptable. People yeah. don't think of it in the same light. But <clears throat> I mean, stress is literally at the root of every mm-hmm. issue. Yes, it is. And it's not a tangible thing because yeah. for it's very subjective. For some people, what stresses one person out, it won't for the next. Mm-hmm. And people are looking for a black and white answer. So with a pill, it's like, well, this pill is mm-hmm. for this. So take it or don't. Whereas they can they can very easily kind of lie to themselves and say, well, no, it's fine for me to stay up. I don't mind staying up, you know, this late and waking up early. And I don't mind, you know, my stressful job that I hate and try and weasel out of every day. But it's like, let's, we can be very honest with ourselves and get to the answer quicker. Um, or we can live in this kind of state of denial about things. And that's fine too. But like I said, at some point, life is going to give you more than a subtle tap on the shoulder and you're going to have to reassess things. Yeah. Those friends who were sort of naysayers at the time, I am, are you friends with them now? Yeah. Did that change things at all? Um, I would say that when they were being so-called naysayers, it's not like it was coming from a bad place within them. It comes from the lack of confidence they have with what I was doing. And I had that same lack of confidence. But mm-hmm. then I, what I took from that is, okay, well, I need to be confident enough for me and for and for them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show them. I'm just going to stick this out and see this through and they will see. And I'm going to be an example of what I know to be true and invite them to do it thusly. That's how that's how I'm going to send the invitation. And you know what? It, it actually worked and helped with a lot of them. So now instead of people kind of rolling their eyes at me when I say, no, I won't eat that, I have people calling me and saying, hey, you know, my daughter looks like she's pre-diabetic. Please help me. What can I do? Or, mm-hmm. hey, I'm noticing this is hurting me. And, you know, what can I do to get rid of this? And I have a lot more um, clout with my friends now, mm-hmm. which I think is great because that's all I ever wanted, right? Yeah. And so I don't, I didn't, maybe at the time a little bit, but I don't think I took it too personally or took it to heart that they were kind of against what I was saying. It just comes from their own insecurities. Mm-hmm. But how did you trust, though, in what you knew to be true like how did you know that what what was true like so you basically was was what sal was saying 
kind of where you're getting the bulk of this is what I should be doing? Um, it was mostly, you know, at the time it was a lot of what Sal was saying and he had to reiterate things a lot to me. So it's not like he just told me once and I got it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but relatively speaking, I adhered to things pretty well. And I think it's because once I received, what's the word? Um, like logical information that just made sense. It just made sense. So of course, too much stress is going to be harmful for your body. Of course, running all the time, your body's going to adapt it and your metabolism's going to slow down. And when you really, when you hear those things, you know, with a minimal explanation, they don't really make much sense. But when you really learn about those things, they make perfect sense. And it's just the obvious choice mm-hmm. is to not live that way. You can only be in a, cal- you know, caloric deficit for so long yeah. before your body's like, oh, well, she's never going to give me enough food. So I'm going <laughs> to hold on to everything I got. And it's like, well, this is just logic. Yeah. I want to talk about the training too. So because this is what happens is I feel like this story comes up over and over again of someone who like has a history of overtraining, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but people compare themselves and they say, well, I wasn't working out three times a day, so I'm fine now. So how does someone know if their intensity is too much or if it's too much? Um, I think you're right. You you do get the same, it's, it's unfortunate to say, because like I said, everyone's different, but for the most part, you get a lot of the same basically prototype person coming in and it's like, well... I worked out too much and now I've hit this wall and, you know, um, I think one way to know your intensity is too much is that if you are working hard and not seeing the returns you want to, that's a sign. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like, and it's very hard because some people, like I said, some people will say, no, I feel good. This is good. This is, I feel great. It's like, well, you have to do the check every morning. Like me, for me, logging and journaling, I talk about it a lot. And I think people are like, oh, who cares? You know, just. I don't need a log. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you know what? If you journal every day what you're feeling like and you start to notice trends and ebbs and flows and maybe consistency in saying, my back hurts, my back hurts, my back hurts, or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm bloating, I'm bloating, I'm bloating. Like those are, if you're writing it down, you're reflecting that back to yourself mm-hmm. and it's hard to deny. So, But people usually would never connect. It's really hard for people to understand this. Like say they're bloated. Mm-hmm. They would never connect that to working out too much. No, that's true. Probably not. Um, I mean, I think like a real tangible way of looking at it is if your body is sore and inflamed a lot, if you're not seeing strength gains, if you're not seeing muscle development, if you're not seeing weight loss, or if you you feel like you've hit a plateau, or if you feel like you have to do more of the same thing to get the same results, then you're obviously having diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, okay, let's talk about if someone was in the situation you were in. We talked about this a little bit earlier, how it's like people's instincts are to do cardio to lose weight and then later build muscle. Yeah. Why is that? Can you explain more about I don't even know if it's later to build muscle. I think most people are just do cardio to lose weight. Basically, they don't think about it. (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) So you mean what would be the proper way? Yeah. If you're starting from base from baseline, mm-hmm. because if you it's like I said, it's a systematic approach. If you're already in a in a point where your metabolism is a lot slower mm-hmm. and there's you know, you, you don't want to rebound out of that too hard. So there's let's just say from somebody from baseline, um, you want to work smarter, not harder. So the goal would be to deceive to receive the desired outcome with with minimal work. Mm-hmm. So if you start working out and you say, I'm going to start entering fitness into my life let's just say fitness forget nutrition right now 
Well, most people would say, okay, I need to start going to the gym every day. Well, no, that's a very big difference from not working out at all and then going every day. You probably want to go once a week, maybe twice a week. Mm -hmm. And you probably want to log and journal the things that happen while you're doing that. And you want to just notice these changes. And you want to follow people on Instagram that have very good information instead of people that just post pictures of themselves. Or you want to ask people who you know have, you know, you want to do your research. Yeah. Um, but I would say resistance training is, is largely undervalued, especially, I hate to say it, but especially by women, it's getting a lot better now. Um, but I think a lot more emphasis on, on resist, resistance training, strength training, um, training movement, not muscle, because a lot of people will say, you know, I want to work my core. I want to work my shoulders. Well, no, you want to work the movements Mm -hmm. that, that are in your regular life that just so happen to utilize these muscles because you want to be functional Mm -hmm. because a body, even if what you're looking for is just to look aesthetically pleasing, I'm pretty sure we can all argue that a body that moves correctly looks better than one that moves awkwardly, right? In a muscle bound sort of way. Yeah. Um, So you can enter cardio into your life if you really feel like it's something you enjoy, but I would say, limited i would say the form in the form of lists would be better which is low intensity steady state cardio like there's nothing wrong with a nice long walk it doesn't have to be some intense brutal run (laughs) at 5 a.m um i would say get your body to the point where where you feel confident that you can you can build strength Mm and that moving forward so let's say your goal is is endurance you still want to if if somebody came to me as a you know as a personal trainer and said hey my goal is endurance or hey my goal is to do 10 push-ups or whatever i'm going to tell them okay we're going to work on your goal but the first step is going to be strength period Mm -hmm. because whatever you want to do in the gym we need you to be strong first we need your body to be strong to be able to do all the other things that you want to do so first phase aside from aside from addressing imbalances and and must you know muscular recruitment pattern issues the first step is strength Mm -hmm. and so I think telling people, especially women, that that's that's probably where they want to go to first. And then with that, their metabolism is going to speed up because their body's going to say, well, this woman keeps making me lift heavy weight. I better pack on some muscle. So how am I going to do that? Okay, I'm going to amp up the metabolism. So I'm going to I'm going to do this the right way. Yeah. And people hear that. I think a lot of people it's becoming more popular resistance Mm -hmm. training, but like what I was talking to you about before, or in what you said before about how people are looking for shortcuts, yes. right? And how I was talking about how it's a lot of circuit training mm-hmm. to combine the cardio and the strength training and to get your workouts <laughs> faster. Yeah. Um, why are you laughing? Tell, tell me what you think about this. It's just, it's so... Because um, I can guarantee you that 90% of the people listening yeah. to this, that's what they're doing. Well, that's why I'm laughing because it's so, um, that's where I started. It just makes so much sense at first, right? And maybe this is where people have to start mm-hmm. in order to evolve. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. It seems to be that way. Um, but it's not, I think we have this culture where we think if less is good, then more is better. Mm-hmm. And that's very often not true. And again, it's expediency that people are looking for. They're trying to go in the gym and just get the workout in as much as they can. They're trying to hit as many body parts. So I might as well do circuit style. I might as well work fast. I might as well not rest. And it's like, well, and and that's the other thing. You're in the gym with other people. So the last thing you want to do when you're trying to show off in the gym is sit down, mm-hmm. right? 
people are you're worried people are judging you that you're lazy or probably something like that but the fact is is that it just doesn't give you the returns you're looking for so sometimes the smarter way to do something is that is the not harder way mm-hmm. so that's hard for people to hear yeah it is and that's why i think that i stopped kind of tiptoeing around those things and i really and it's really a big difference just how you say something like i said when i started talking to my friends with more conviction i really mean that like instead of saying well maybe you know this kind of worked better and for my friend this worked and it shows you know no i'd be like well no that doesn't make sense you don't want your body to adapt that Mm -hmm. way and i would just start saying it and and practicing what i preached and then that was it and then i let people do their thing because people will tell you either outwardly or in their head when you're talking they will be against you they will resist you Mm -hmm. but later on you know when when they're plateauing and things aren't working they're gonna think about what you said yeah so okay i'll plant little seeds and they can grow later i don't care but I'm going to be honest <laughs> yeah. because this is my truth and two plus two is four, period. Yeah. So I'm just going to tell you the truth. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not open to finding out I might be wrong about things. That's that's a different story. But, yeah. but if I know something to be true, I'm going to make sure that it's heard. Mm-hmm. And you have to be that way to date Salsa Stefano. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> but, okay, I want to get back to this because I want you to, like, break apart this logic for people. Okay. So, like, let's go back to the circuits, for instance, because okay. to them, it's logical, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because you're doing strength movements, and, but you're also at the same time raising your heart rate because you're going faster and you're getting more movement in, which yeah. means burning more. So, so it's, like, more bang for your yeah. buck. That's what it seems like, right? Um, I can see the logic in that. So here's the thing. If you're training your body for a certain adaptation, you want to not um, confuse the signals. So using strength-based exercises in a cardio fashion, um, it's really not help. It, you're not really sending any particular consistent signal to your body other than stress and, mm-hmm. and intensity. So if what you want is to build strength and you know, do this the, the, in the route I was saying, then you're going to want to rest in between your sets because if you pick up a weight and you, and you do, let's say, an overhead press and you do your set and then you put it down and then two seconds later you feel like you can do it again, mm-hmm. yeah, you probably can do it again. But what are you training? You're training your endurance. I want you to train your strength. I want you to train your muscles. So you need your, to let your muscles relax. You need to let your muscles rebuild ATP. That takes some time. And then you need to lift again. So the focus would be, I mean, again, it it doesn't sound as logical as let's just get it all done. Yeah. But so here's a better way to look at it. I guess if you want to get more bang for your buck, then you would focus on compound movements, which are multi-joint movements. Mm -hmm. So uh, a deadlift, a squat, an overhead press, a bench press, um, because in that that alone is more bang for your buck because mm-hmm. you're utilizing a lot of m- different muscles, right? With all of those, um, you want to lift heavy and recognize that that's that's another gauge you can change. It's another f- variable you can you can play with instead of just going high rep. You want to use rest as also another variable because that is one um, frequency as well. You want to say okay, instead of hitting you know, my legs very intensely today and then chest very intensely tomorrow, I'm going to take the same amount of sets I did for legs today and I'm going to sprinkle them over Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm -hmm. So now I have the same amount of sets, but 
I've just increased my frequency three folds. Yeah. So, so just noticing that there are other gauges. Let's talk more about that. I think that the appeal of splitting, like doing splits, people want to be in the gym every single day and they want to do something every single day because they feel like they're not you can still be in the gym every single day without doing a body part split absolutely so tell explain how you would like make that work without overdoing it so i tend to work out with my clients um and for myself always full body Mm -hmm. and what that usually looks like is one exercise per body part and we start with the heaviest moves first because that just makes logical sense right Mm -hmm. so if you're training for strength you want to do the strongest move first before you're tired from the rest of your workout um and let's say we did a heavier full body workout monday wednesday friday and you still want to go to the gym tuesday thursday saturday sunday okay so you can do that there are other ways to signal muscles to grow instead of just tearing your muscles down and waiting for them to rebuild you can also muscles respond very well to frequency at a low intensity so if you have somebody and this is something i learned from from mind pump um if you have somebody who you know, let's just say for their job, they walk a lot like a mailman and they have pretty defined calves. That's not because they tear their calves down every day. It's because they just frequently use this muscle. Mm -hmm. So on your lower intensity days, like Tuesday, Wednesday, and or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, you can just maybe do band work, maybe body weight exercises, utilizing the same muscles, even if you wanted to do the same compound movements, but with lighter weight, you can mm-hmm. do that because all you're doing is just sending the signal to the muscle that it's that you're turning it on. Mm-hmm. So, again, you're not looking for a burn. You're not looking to lift heavy. You're just you're just showing your body, hey, I'm using this muscle. I'm going to need to use this muscle more often. So grow for me. Mm-hmm. So it's just sending that constant anabolic signal. Mm-hmm. So that's like a trigger session. That is like a trigger basically. session. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to be a full workout. No, it doesn't have to be. I think Um, people... Some people, if they... I mean, it depends on your level of fitness and what you're looking for, but and how light you're going to go, because if Mm -hmm. you're going to go full body again, go much lighter. Mm -hmm. But let's say you have somebody who really wants to work on their delts. Mm -hmm. Then okay, then then do some some delt work, but very Mm -hmm. lightly, or calves or or core. Or maybe on that day, you go for a very long walk and you work on your list cardio, or you do some stretching and mobility work, because that's that's part of this, right? Mm-hmm. And um, maybe you take some time to really connect to the muscles that you're trying to get to work because a lot of the time people who are going to the gym who are just starting this stuff already don't move correctly. Yeah. Okay, so. And people <laughs> who have been doing it well for a while still. Well, all that's the time true. Still. <laughs> that's true, yeah. So correcting muscle imbalances, which most people have, mm-hmm. can take some time, but it takes a lot of mental energy and focus, like a lot. And it can be kind of annoying when you're sitting there in the gym and you just want to go through the motions of the exercise but Mm -hmm. i need somebody to really concentrate on their scapula and i need somebody to really concentrate on sliding their hips back and i need them to really notice and feel the squeeze of their glute like that means that they need to pay attention and be very present and you can take your tuesdays and thursdays to do that Mm -hmm. so it's really like before we were working on this 1990 i think that was the hardest part of the whole thing we just did yeah (laughs) like mentally i was like i can't it takes so much concentration yeah and i was (laughs) in so much pain it takes a lot of concentration but i mean you see such good returns with it and what basically what you're doing is you're telling your muscle 
hey, I'm going to start using you now and Mm -hmm. I'm going to start using you in this fashion. So I need you to respond. Yeah. Rather than compensate with all these other muscles. Yeah. Because your body is smart. If you do something often, your body's going to figure out a way to do it, even if the muscle that it that should be used for it is weak or or you know not working properly mm-hmm. your body's gonna find compensation patterns so that's harder to do i think and, and honestly i'm not saying everyone needs a coach but even i who am a trainer sal and i train each other because i can, i need a set of eyes on me yeah. sometimes even if it's just every once in a while mm-hmm. to assess my movement because like I said, our bodies are smart and we'll just go into the path of least resistance, yeah. even if that's a, an ill pattern movement that we've ingrained for 10 years, you know? Yeah. I think so. it always helps to have someone else, even if it's not about fitness, but even like if you're a therapist, you could still use the help of another therapist mm-hmm. or like me, like I'll have someone else be my quote nutritionist, you know, yeah. like just have somebody else because we need an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Just an objective pair of eyes. I mean, there's yeah. some, a lot of my, online none of my personal training clients but a lot of my online clients are trainers Mm -hmm. yeah so and you learn from other people as you work with other mm -hmm. people you know oh definitely i mean and i learn yeah i I learn a ton from doing this in fact part of why i do what i do is selfish because it keeps me you know keeps my finger to the pulse of what's going on and like and reminds me that as much as i'm telling them these things i need to do that myself too yeah and you can get to a point where just as far as business is concerned, and you probably know this, that when you are working so hard for other people or for the monetary aspect of it, you can end up forgetting mm-hmm. yourself completely and forgetting your whole message. And if you don't constantly go back and reconstitute that, what you're putting out is just fake. It's just ingenuine. Yeah. It doesn't work. So making sure I do things in the morning, like work out and eating a certain way, that's not just for me. That's because I feel a certain sense of responsibility now. Yeah. Because I have to. And I'm not saying by any means I'm perfect, but I am constantly working toward more progress in this field. Yeah. It just makes me a better coach. Let's talk about food and your journey with food for a second. Okay. (laughs) Tell me, I mean, you eat eat very healthy now, but you didn't always. No, I did not. (laughs) Okay, so tell me about the evolution of that. Oh, that was fun. Um, <laughs> was it, though? <laughs> I mean, just some of the most god-awful things I'd eat, and I didn't yeah. have any idea. Okay, guys, quick pause before Jessica gets into all of the things that she used to eat before she switched over to a healthier lifestyle. I want to talk about this week's sponsor, Four Sigmatic. Because Jessica loves these products, I love these products, and I want to tell you guys more about these products. So Four Sigmatic, if you're not familiar with them, is one of my favorite companies that sells some delicious, amazing mushroom elixirs. If you're not familiar with the health benefits of mushrooms or what's going on with mushrooms, let me back up for a second and give you some info. Because mushrooms have a ton of incredible health properties and you need to learn a bit more. So we humans actually share 30 to 50% of the same genes with mushrooms. I bet you did not guess that. And the Chinese have actually used them for over 4,000 years. And every day, 35 million people work in the mushroom industry in China alone. So this is a big deal. And actually, the most famous antibiotic, penicillin, I'm sure you've heard of that, comes from a fungi. And more than 40% of all the pharmaceutical drugs being sold nowadays utilize mushrooms. They have 
so many health properties and this is why I want you guys to learn more about them so that you can take advantage of all of their health benefits because these are some products that I've been using for a few years now and I seriously love them. And Four Sigmatic is awesome because they're basically making it possible for people to take advantage of the healing power of mushrooms in your everyday life. So you can use it in an enjoyable way, everyday use, and it tastes delicious. So the first product I wanna tell you about is the chaga elixir. So I honestly can't remember exactly how I first heard about Four Sigmatic, but I was in college and it seemed cool. You know what? I think it was from my boss at the time, Jordan Younger from The Balanced Blonde. I'm pretty sure she she was using some of their products and I tried the chaga and I fell in love. And then I went to Expo West later, tried more of their products, loved them. And the Chaga Mushroom Elixir is the first one I want to talk about because it's been my favorite for the longest. And I drink it pretty regularly, almost, I mean, every other night pretty much. And actually recently I've been having it pretty much every night. And Chaga is full of a ton of antioxidants and it really helps to provide immune support. Chaga is actually called the king of the mushrooms because it has such impressive medicinal properties and it's been used since the 17th century in Russia where it was actually used as a form of folk medicine against a bunch of different diseases. It's really great for people who want to increase their immunity, like I mentioned, people with viral infections or other infections, and people with autoimmune diseases like arthritis, for instance. In terms of immunity, it's pretty impressive. It can really help with fighting any viruses or bacteria, and it's actually been shown to increase your natural killer cell activity by up to 300%, which is a lot. The Four Sigmatic Chaga Elixir also contains mint and rosehip. It's just so yummy and earthy, and I love it, and you can really just mix it in with water. That's how I like to drink it. It's also really good mixed in with some warm almond milk or warm coconut milk, but it's super easy. You can also toss it in smoothies, really delicious. And when I say toss it in with water, I mean hot water. So hot water plus chaga elixir is a beautiful match made in heaven. So that's basically my favorite way to consume it. And like I said, I like to have it pretty much every night, but I've also liked to do it in the morning too, kind of as a coffee replacement. I think that the mushroom elixirs are great as coffee replacements in the morning. So that is sort of my Four Sigmatic education for you today. And they have a ton of incredible products. I just wanted to highlight the Chaga since that's my personal favorite and the one I've been using for almost two years now. To check out all of their products, make sure you head to foursigmatic.com slash CRW and you can use the discount code CRW, all caps, for 15% off of all your purchases on the website. So again, make sure you go to foursigmatic.com slash CRW, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash C-R-W. Use the code C-R-W for 15% off. And you can check out all of their products. They have everything from chaga to lion's mane to hot chocolate to mushroom coffee. So there are a ton of different options. And I know you guys are seriously going to love them. And 
I don't know if you caught it, but at the beginning of this episode, I'm pretty sure Jessica mentioned that she loves drinking Four Sigmatic too, and that was definitely not planned, but just goes to show the mushrooms are powerful. So definitely check that out. All right. Now that I've told you about the mushrooms, let's get back to Jessica's health journey. I, I grew up standard American diet. We moved around a ton. And my mom, although she ate healthy, she did not, you know, this is, I was born in 87. So the concept of what is healthy now is vastly different than what was healthy then. And she was a full-time working mom. And yes, she had a daycare, so we were home. But the fact is, is that you do what's convenient. Mm -hmm. So I had, and plus I also was just very stubborn. (laughs) Go figure. So I, I would drink soda constantly. That's all I had. I never had a glass of water. And I don't mean that hyperbolically at all I, z- I had zero glasses of water until i was, I was about same. 20 i was the exact same i didn't have water until i was like 20 <laughs> and people are like how are you alive i'm like well i must be fine and i would use the fact that i was still alive as like conviction that, that this was okay exactly and i'd be like you have your coffee in the morning i have my soda Get over <laughs> <it."> oh god <laughs> And, I, and pizza and chicken nuggets and and then it all caught balls. up with you and then it all caught up with me when I was about 16 17 I had a really tough year in high school in England where I lived at the time you get out of high school when you're 16 not 18 and I and everyone knows you because it's a very small place so I got out of high school and I just stayed in my house I just did not want to I didn't want to see the people I was in high school with it was very you know un, uneventful at least not positive time for me in many yeah. ways. So I ate my feelings instead and didn't move because I wasn't leaving the house. And so it all caught up with me very quickly. And then I got very, very self-conscious, which is sort of self-fed and you have a lot of time to think if you're not going out, right? Mm-hmm. So I became very depressed at the same time. So go figure, my physical body and mental body both became unhealthy at the same time. Um, imagine that. And then I, when I moved back to the States, I found myself just by happenstance, I was living on my own. I didn't have very many friends around cause I had been gone. And then my parents moved to Las Vegas. So I was just there alone. And I thought, well, you know, I guess I'll buy. No, I, I didn't know what happened first was I accidentally Either on, either on accident or I thought this was the healthy thing to do. But I bought <laughs> Diet Coke instead of regular Coke. <laughs> and I honestly... Nice. <laughs> this is hilarious because honestly, I lost eight pounds from doing nothing but switching to really? Diet Coke. Yeah. And I had never lost weight before. That's I had only so added pounds to my body. Yeah. So I was like, this is weird. Uh-huh. I'm like, wait a second. This is doable. I can lose weight. Okay. So then I buy a treadmill. And then I'm very diligent about it because once I get into something, I can be very, like, just obsessive about it. So it didn't matter what was happening. It didn't matter that I had, you know, night classes in school and, and work. I was getting on that damn treadmill every day. And then I started counting calories. And then I started, you know, like I said, eating the lean cuisines and mm-hmm. stuff. And they're not healthy for you. But I started to see changes. Mm-hmm. And I was, at that time, I was coming out of my shell and it really propelled me just to keep going and then I feel like life just gave me all these wonderful opportunities to keep me on this path like you know a year later I had lost about 60 pounds I had met my then boyfriend who is you know now Mm ex-husband and he was an acrobat and he um 
got called to work on Cirque du Soleil and I came with him and being around all those people who, you know, like I said, health-minded and very aware of their bodies and, and whatever. And whether that ranged from unhealthy to healthy actual mindsets about it doesn't matter. The fact is that it kept me in that, you know, mode of, of being aware. And so after that, I think I started doing a lot of juice, um, what was it like vegetable juicing because that was really big at the time and it was mm. the only way I can make myself eat vegetables and so what I what I would do is I would take a sip of the green juice and then take a sip of like soda oh my god <laughs> <'Cause> I th- <laughs> yeah well this I mean this is the evolution as it was yeah so. you gotta take the steps right <laughs> and people would say stuff to me and I was just like I don't know what you're talking about I'm being healthy <laughs> and then you know something happens when you travel the world and you don't have access to the food you want. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, I think I was in Korea, and I went to the food court in the mall, and there was just nothing there that I would eat. Not at all. So then I went to the grocery store, the grocery store and there was nothing. I'm like, yeah. I don't know what to do. So I I just have to eat. That's yeah. it. You're just going to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, hey, it's not so bad. Food <laughs> and real food doesn't taste that bad. Yeah. So being on tour really helped me because I had to adapt very quickly to a lot of different things, especially food. And then I started, you know, I started noticing my body changing so much that, again, it propelled me to stay involved in that more. And I wanted to be better at doing the silks just because I loved it. Mm -hmm. It's not like I was doing it professionally, but I loved it. And I noticed that, okay, well, nutrition is a very big factor in this. So I'm going to learn about it. So I started getting a, a lot of different nutrition books, like I think Alejandra Younger had a a book called Clean at the time, and I started researching all about different vitamins and micronutrients and learning what are the constituents of food and just delved super deeply into it. And at the time, there was a lot of fads. I mean, there's still a lot of fads, but at the time I was just going kind of with what the fads were because I didn't know how to delineate what's real knowledge and what's not. Um... So like I said, I did a lot of raw food and, and juice cleansing and I ate a lot less meat at the time. And, you know, from there it evolved to, okay, well, maybe fewer carbohydrates are better for me because I feel a little bit better. And, hey, I actually feel pretty good eating more, you know, animal protein. Um, and, hey, maybe water might be a nice thing to throw in once in a while. <laughs> what, what like, sort of convinced you to try more animal protein and lower carbs? I That was actually not that long ago. So I've always loved – I mean, I, I say anything with a face, I'll eat. And it <laughs> sounds horrible, and I'm sorry for anybody out there who no, doesn't I'm like that. <laughs> but I'm very much I – love, I love meat. Yeah. But I – everything I was reading was telling me that I shouldn't be eating meat. Mm-hmm. So I started telling myself, oh yeah, no, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Completely lying to myself. And I'm, and I just started eating less of it. And then when I, I had already moved back, gone through my divorce and I was telling one of the other trainers at work that I had missed my period for like, I think three months mm-hmm. and my libido had gone way down. And for me, i that's very unusual. So I'm like noticing these changes and she's like, well, you never eat, warm food. I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? Because she was studying Chinese medicine at yeah. the time. And she's like, well, I think you know, your reproductive system knows a lot on its own and it's intuitive and it, maybe it needs, and she kept saying more heat. It needs more heat. Yeah. I'm like, what does that mean? 
So she's like, I want you to go home and put like a hot water bottle on your stomach. And I want you to try and cook your food and maybe eat real Mm -hmm. meat and and food instead of just like lettuce. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, okay. So I did. And I swear to God, my period came within like a week. That's amazing. Oh, okay. Wow. So I'm eating meat again. Yeah. (laughs) So that was cool. And I wasn't even full vegetarian. I was just eating less of it, but Mm -hmm. adding it back like really, really really helped. And then when I met Sal and we started going on this protocol of like higher fat, Mm -hmm. I mean, the changes were just like night and day. Mm -hmm. Like my mood and energy just picked up so much. My skin, I couldn't believe my skin. Like I used to have a lot more like visible wrinkles Mm -hmm. and they just went away. And I'm like, that's... You have beautiful skin. Well, thank you very much. Like, you have beautiful skin. You look like you will never age. (laughs) I love that. I hope. (laughs) Well, the the cool thing... Well, it's a a blessing and a curse that when I am unhealthy... Because I I hate to say, oh, I'm a healthy person or or I'm an unhealthy person. Because it's not fixed. It's just sometimes... You know, some days you're more balanced than others. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it shows up for different people in different ways. Like, Mm -hmm. for Sal, it will be his gut will be off. Mm -hmm. For me it shows up on my skin mm-hmm. and I absolutely hate that because people can see when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing yeah. and it's just right in your face. But that's great because it makes me pay attention yeah. and I'm like, okay, you know what? This is a very obvious marker and signal to just listen to. Yeah. So, so. what, what foods do you notice affect your skin? So I noticed, um, peanuts and peanut butter, um, for sure. That took me a long time to really drill into my head because, and and this is the the funny part about being in a relationship with somebody who's just like you and somebody who also works in your field mm-hmm. because you don't want to hear everything they want to say. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, Sal was a lot. He was my mentor in a lot of this, and he would say, you know, I think it's peanut butter, and I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to hear it. <laughs> like now, I'm gonna eat it more because mm-hmm. I'm just gonna be rebellious, and you know screw myself that way yeah (laughs) and then I think I finally I figured it out when I think I went on vacation somewhere and I didn't have peanut butter because it wasn't around so then it was out of my system for long enough that when I ate it again I was like oh my god it really is causing me to have acne okay Mm -hmm. I'm gonna stop that and then it kind of went away for quite a while where my skin was a lot more clearer my clients were noticing I'm like okay so it is better and then it came back about a little less than a year ago and it was only god let's see when was lent just a few months ago where i was thinking to myself you know what maybe it's chocolate because i love chocolate i eat Mm -hmm. chocolate a lot and so i'm gonna just try giving chocolate up for lent just to see what that does and i'm also gonna try and take in a lot more water because sometimes i forget sometimes i go so deep into things that i forget the basics yeah and basically i need more water Mm -hmm. so i'm probably in a concentrated state of dehydration if i let myself forget about water which i often do Mm -hmm. so i started getting a big mason jar and just saying this is this jar is going to remain full all the time i'm gonna (laughs) fill it up drink it and then as soon as it's empty i'm going to fill it up and i'm just gonna drink whatever's in there so I did that and then for 40 days I gave up chocolate and my skin looked really good and then I was like well damn it Mm -hmm. (laughs) so then I tried not even after Lent but like two weeks after I tried a little bit of chocolate just to see and sure enough my skin it's not just acne my skin my whole face 
and it's very subtle. It's very hard to see because we all live in this state of inflammation where we think it's normal. Mm-hmm. But I can tell now where my skin just gets a little puffier and a little bit more red and a little bit sore. Yeah. Like I can actually feel a little bit tenderness in my face and it hurts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like that's that's for sure. It's chocolate, peanut butter all the way. Yeah. I haven't noticed anything else. I do have some other issues. I Well, no, that's not true. Gluten can affect me if I eat it in, in large amounts. I can feel asphyxiated from it, mm-hmm. which is kind of an alarming That's thing scary. to feel from food. <laughs> yeah. And I do have some anxiety. So I've always wondered if that's correlated with food. It's probably more correlated with caffeine for me. Um, but but see, here's the thing. Like, I can know that. But again, I have to get there. I have yeah. to let myself get there mentally and be like, okay, we're really going to give this a go and, and try this because it's really hard to get there. Yeah, it is. Well, also, the things that we feel addicted to or dependent to or love the most tend to be the ones that are causing us issues. I yeah. mean, like when I'm working with people to figure out food sensitivities and we're not testing, that's one of the top things. Or I know that personally. If I feel addicted to yeah. a food, that's probably what I'm sensitive to. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm you know more than I do but I would on this subject, but I think that's because the way intolerances are created, mm-hmm. I mean, if if we start with a stressed, leaky gut or hyperpermeability, we can call it, and then we're constantly eating the same foods and our body's going to develop antibodies toward that food, it's going to be the one that you eat a lot. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's always going to be the food where, oh, no, that's my favorite. I eat it all the time. We'll go figure. Exactly. If we weren't in the state of constant gut hyperpermeability, we wouldn't have that problem. But with all the stress we have, all the crap in our water and rainwater and <laughs> crops and it's just i mean it's terrible go figure yeah. that we have these issues yeah so a varied diet now i think is more important than ever yeah so. exactly so what are you doing now with carb content are you doing keto are you fasting um so now i've hit a point and this doesn't mean that i will not loop around yeah back to tracking and stuff like that but i've hit a point where it's a lot more intuitive for me And I tend to just be higher fat, lower carb because it just feels better. Um, I I try to avoid things, like I said, like gluten or things that I know I'm intolerant to. Um, I wouldn't call it keto because I don't think I'm in ketosis necessarily. Mm -hmm. But I I definitely higher fat. Mm -hmm. I mean, in good fats, right? Um, I think I fast... Let's see here. Actually, you know what? I've been I've been training really hard lately because I feel like my body's ready for it. So mm-hmm. I've been eating breakfast, but usually um I I tend to fast often anyway mm-hmm. just because it feels better. But we've been doing these fasts Sal and I were instead of doing, you know, intermittent fasting daily, we will do 48 to 72 hour fasts yeah. every month. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't mention that yet. That is probably the most amazing thing I've ever done mm-hmm. because that mo- makes much more sense ev- in terms of evolution. Yes. Than doing it every day. Yeah, it does. And again, that's that that's that intensity thing where people are like, "Well, this works. I'll yeah. just do it every day." But but feel it out and see what works best for you. And probably don't go into seventy two hour fast right away. But I started off with like twenty four hours, and then another forty eight, and then another forty eight, and then seventy two. But doing them once a month, I'm finding that. Because you can have different mindsets around fasting. You can definitely be fasting because you have a poor relationship with food and your body image and you're, and you're basically anorexic and you're 
you're just restricting and that mm-hmm. is not going to yield you good returns because it's not like the energy you put forth into that is the kind of energy that mm-hmm. is going to help you. So m- motivation and intention matter. But when I fast, you know, these these monthly fasts, what I'm doing is I know that it's healthy for me. I'm not, you know, training and overtraining when this is happening. I'm making sure that I'm my environment is conducive to what I'm doing. And every time I do it, I feel like I'm losing I feel like I have, if I could picture myself, it's like I'm standing there with a hundred chains chained to me mm-hmm. and that every time I fast, I get to take one chain off. Like mm-hmm. I'm not chained to this idea that I need food all the time. Yeah. Because that's for me, that's, you know, everything we do is revolved around food. Yeah, it is. Every time I feel a feeling I don't want to feel, I eat food. Every mm-hmm. time I feel a feeling I do like and I'm happy, we we celebrate with food. Yeah. When I'm bored, I go to food. And, and knowing intellectually that you don't need to eat all the time to be okay is one thing but learning and experiencing something within the framework of your own body solidifies it like nothing else Mm -hmm. and i would not have said this after the first second or third fast but now i think we've done five and i reached a point where i just feel so much mental clarity about it during and after i feel so much less chains to food mm-hmm. and now i eat because it's something that should satiate my body it's yeah. something that should should nourish me and not because i'm i'm binge eating because i'm nervous or yeah. i'm anxious or i'm depressed or whatever we've really attached food to emotions and we use it i notice this a lot with i've had to go on so many different dietary protocols and take things out of my diet and all of a sudden my friends don't hang out with me because I can't eat. I'm like, oh, so all we can do together is eat? Yeah. You know, yeah. anytime you go, anytime someone goes, oh, you want to get together, it's just assumed we're going to go out to eat. I'm like, yep. well, there are so many other things we can do. Why does it always have to be about food? Yep. And the, the cool thing is, is that when I'm around a bunch of people, because life has given me a lot of people too who who now are in kind of my space like you or Sal or, or some of our other friends who are sort of on the same, you know, wavelength. Mm-hmm. And when we go out and we appreciate food, we really appreciate it because yeah. now it's like we're going to go try this nice new restaurant and we're going to do it together as an experience. And it's not about just shoving shoveling food in my face. That's what it is. While People, my friends yeah. are in front of me mm-hmm. just by happenstance. No, we're doing this together. This yeah. is a shared experience. And this is, you know, we have all these different senses to help us interpret the world. And one of them is taste. And I I'm a. I, I chase, you know, dopaminergic highs all the time. And so one <laughs> one of them would be food. And I, yeah. then I can sit down and it's really almost like, appreciate it. Yeah. I tell myself it's greater later. Like mm-hmm. if I wait for it, it's so much better. Absolutely. And I get to really appreciate it rather than just use it as a distraction. So, yeah, I think that's a really good. I think people are just used to having at their disposal. It's OK, I'm bored. I'm going to snack. I'm walking by yeah. the fridge. I'm going to snack, you know. And they don't, they're not, they don't have intention behind anything. And this also affects digestion, right? Because they're sitting down, or if they're sitting down, yeah. they're just throwing it in their mouths. So they're not chewing. Yeah. We're not appreciating it. No, you know? not not by any stretch. We've gotten to the point where scarcity was a problem with food and now overabundance is the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's great in the sense that we went from one extreme to the other. So it stands to reason we'll end up in the middle somewhere. Mm-hmm. But it's like, like you said, it's too much. It's not necessary. And what I'm finding with the fast is that not only am I, you know, feeling these this lack of being chained to food during, but afterward, you know, I know enough now to know that, okay, now I've fasted for 72 hours, I'm in a state of ketosis, 
or or even if I'm not, I'm very insulin sensitive. So the last thing I'm going to do is just, you know, because I used to do these juice cleanses and then right after I'll be like, wow, I did it. I can go drink beer or eat potato chips. Yeah. It's like, well, now I now realize that refeeding stay is important yeah. and I want to stay insulin sensitive. And so really what it does is it keeps me on track the rest of the month because right around the time the next fast is coming four weeks later, that's when I'm starting to like lose it a little again, mm-hmm. a little bit. And then I'm like, well, here comes another fast. So we're going to start this again. And just doing that every month, I honestly, I don't know how it would work for everyone else, but I absolutely love it. Yeah, definitely. For anyone listening though, because I feel like this is, the fasting is such a hot topic. And like when we're at Paleo FX, everybody's talking about it and it gets hard because a lot of the the population I work with, I'm like, you no, you can't be fasting. Do you know what I mean? Well, no, definitely. So that's the thing that's hard because like I said, intention matters Mm -hmm. and people can deny to themselves or people can push themselves too far. And I don't think that I should just like, I don't have my clients, for example, doing 72 hour fast, not even, not even a little bit, actually very few of them do long fasts. And even then it's a close assessment first. Mm -hmm. And this is something I evolved to. This is not something I started with, you know, Mm -hmm. people jump the gun. I'm like, there are levels to help. Like people, it's like working out how you're saying you you don't just go from, not working out to six, seven days a week, right? It's yeah. same with like health when people are just trying to jump there. People yeah. are eating a standard American diet. Like I'm going to go keto and fast every mm-hmm. day. And I'm like, whoa. Oh yeah. I, I can't imagine for you, but the DMs I get sometimes people oh, are telling yeah. me I did this and my hair is falling yeah. out. My hair is falling out. I'm like, honey, that's not a yeah. good, <laughs> that's not a good sign. Like, you're they telling say that, me. yeah. And and then they still want to continue doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's not something to identify with. It's not something to think, oh, I do keto and you do it because the, your peers are doing it and it sounds cool. Yeah. That doesn't help you. Yeah. Just because it's really hard for people to understand because they just want the answers. It's hard for them to understand that just because something works well for one person doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Sorry. Yeah. Maybe oh, like God, absolutely. us, right? Like fasting works so well for you. And I was like, no, I'm not fasting. I have hormone issues no way that's not gonna work for me right now and also just because it doesn't work for me right now doesn't mean in 10 years i won't want to do do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. absolutely there's so many other factors that go into a person's life yeah and lifestyle that gets them to where they are and then they have different goals too that there is never one answer Mm -hmm. that is one thing i found to be 100 percent true there is not one black or white answer so i hate all these fad diets or whatever or like i don't know people who claim to have the answer no, you had the answer for you. Yeah. And maybe it, it's, you know, have you ever seen the cartoons where, um, like, Tom and Jerry, where the cat would take the a fish and put it in his mouth and pull it out? Yeah. And it would be a whole fish, and then it would you would just see the, the skeleton of a yeah. whole fish? Okay, that's how I feel about nutrition and fitness facts. You take everything you want that works for you and leave the rest. Yeah. Just pull that skeleton out, and if it doesn't work for you, throw it away. I love that. So it's like... Okay, the aspects of keto that you learn about that you think sound good, okay, try those. But you mm-hmm. don't have to be in ketosis. Yeah, and, yeah. And also troubleshoot. People forget that they have control over their body. They can experiment. I so, know. you know, if you want to make a change, okay, well, then control all other factors as best you can. Make the change. Journal. See how it goes. Observe. Mm-hmm. And then go from there. And if it doesn't work, then move out of that. Yeah. But it's that simple. And yeah. sometimes people will say, well, I don't have the time. How do you not have the time? Because yeah. that is the, that's the, that's numero uno. Like before you can work, before you can be a, a good mother, a good 
sister, a good parent, whatever, like you have to be healthy first. You have to be mm-hmm. your best you. You would get better returns if you make sure your cup is full first. Yeah. I think also people are afraid to trust themselves. Everybody's so busy looking for everybody else. Well, the yeah. answers from everybody else, right? So that's what they're just taking this advice instead of what we we're talking about. People have the answers yeah. for themselves. They just aren't yet able to be self-aware to understand okay i feel this way and that's why something like journaling can be so powerful because it's Mm -hmm. like you have to check in with yourself and write it out and see it on paper i feel like shit today i ate this oh (laughs) well so maybe some practical advice for journaling because okay that's let's let's assume that we're talking to people who don't know what we're talking about because a lot of the people don't so if you're journaling it's really it's a lot easier if it's just always the same bullet points Mm -hmm. instead of like a long journaling about your day And the things you should, you could and should list would be things like um, energy, mood, irritability, complexion, level of inflammation or body soreness, um, strength, libido, um, appetite, menstrual cycle, um, both the length of your cycle and, you know, how even things to how heavy your flow is or how bad, how painful it is this month, um, whether you're, know you're ovulating or not. Um, and then at the same time tracking food. So, so basically you're tracking the food every day that you have and you're logging all these things and you're not necessarily looking at both those things every day to try and find correlations. You're just going to gather all the information that you can first and you're going to get into the habit of observing and then the dots will connect themselves a lot more easily over time you'll start to see oh i had inflammation in my shoulder every time i ate this thing Mm -hmm. and maybe you can have even another pair of eyes help you when you're doing that because that makes it a lot easier but those are the kind of things you want to look at and then anything that applies to you so like for my the girl who who dm'd me um maybe the consistency of how much her hair is is falling out yeah. like that's i mean that's not a a good thing and mm-hmm. that's a very obvious signal that you want to take note of so those are really good tips yeah i think that's a little bit more practical yeah that is this is random do you train fasted um i do okay not because i believe that's like the best way to do it i actually yeah. don't i just wake up in the morning it's and i easier for your schedule yeah and yeah. I, I think i i like the way it feels better just yeah i don't want to be full yeah me too Mm -hmm. i used to be the opposite and now i and the opposite now i like working (laughs) out faster it feels better on my stomach i actually had to get myself to be okay with eating after Mm -hmm. my workout because people think that you have to hit this anabolic window and eat right after you work out and it's like you actually probably don't want to your body's Mm -hmm. kind of in a state of inflammation that's a good it's it's a good thing because you just worked out but your body doesn't need to be digesting food right now Mm -hmm. so right away you don't need to eat and I don't, but you know, I would just wasn't used to it. I'd wait a long time before, but now I'm, I'm eating a lot more in the morning. So I'll work out and then maybe 45 minutes later, I'll have some eggs or something, but no, it's usually fasted. You know what I wanted to ask you? So last night, cause we had that glorious steak. <laughs> Do you guys eat like that every night? Yeah. You eat a big ass steak like that every <laughs> night. Okay. Well, so I am almost five foot two, about 120 pounds, and I can eat like a whole uh-huh. <laughs> And Sal thinks it's hilarious. But yeah, we eat. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, and I, I could be better with my rotation of meals, but living with with two little kids, it's, it's sometimes hard to, to make sure it's healthy and make sure it's well-received, uh-huh. which we can get into. But, um, yeah, we will. <laughs> but basically, it's, it's a lot 
of vegetables and meat, a lot mm-hmm. of big, hearty green vegetables and meat. So we rotate ribeye steaks and New York steaks like we had last night, lamb, I love lamb, um, chicken thighs, I make um, really good fried chicken with um, coconut flour. Um, I don't really eat pork very much. Um, but yeah, it's usually a big hearty piece of, of meat mm-hmm. and a lot of vegetables. And then every once in a while we do it where we have like not necessarily a vegan day, but as close to a vegan day as possible. Yeah. And that honestly, we go by feel. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I should say we eat a lot of fish too, actually. Um, but yeah, that's I was neat. shocked because usually whenever I eat with someone else i always know that i'm gonna have to go home and eat more after because i'm never served enough food because i eat a lot of food oh really yeah okay and yeah, i was really surprised you ate your whole steak i was like yes that's oh fun. yeah i was surprised i was like did they fast today is this like the only meal they ate today no that's that was I, my third meal yeah see that yeah that was like my fourth meal and uh, i was like so pleasantly surprised because that's never happened to me before yeah. every time i go out i don't get enough food and so i thought i was gonna have to eat when i went home because no, I'm just we got you yeah that was amazing so I was so impressed I love that I and it's it's funny because like when I when my metabolism was so slow and I had to restrict calories so much I hate that because mm-hmm. I I I mean I eat a good amount yeah of food. and I like being able to eat a lot of food yeah and that's I, why I'm like I don't want to downregulate it like <laughs> I want to eat a shit ton of food <laughs> I mean yeah and it's yeah. like nice and hearty and then right after that it's like we're starting to bed down a little bit later on so usually we would go for a walk or something mm-hmm. after we eat but regardless i like i don't want to go to bed overly stuffed but yeah. i would like to go to bed satiated yeah you know? so i don't think there's all these rumors i don't think it's a good idea to go to bed feeling hungry no. if, like because then your body's in a state of stress and then your body cannot repair during the night right sure. like you shouldn't you know you, you don't want to people are like it's good to go to bed hungry i'm like no See, that's <laughs> if you thing. feel that's hungry it's good to go to bed hungry in what context? Exactly. Like, that's half of a sentence. That's yeah. half of a thought. True. You know what I mean? And so play with that. Like maybe don't do that mm-hmm. for a little bit and see how you feel. Yeah. And like I said, just implement new ideas and then observe. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, because uh, you would know about getting kids to eat healthier and um, what you've learned. Yeah. And so how you I deal mean, with the food. It's funny because I think that I have a little bit of an advantage because the the kids here are Sal's kids. Mm-hmm. So I have maybe because I'm coming from like a step-parent role, it's easier for me to be maybe a little bit more objective or less emotionally attached. Um, but is it harder for you? Because I would feel like it would be harder because I would want to make sure they, they didn't get mad at me. <laughs> you know, it was at first uh-huh. when I was first getting to know them. Um, at this point, I mean, they're they're twelve and eight years old, and at they're first, so well behaved. They're very well behaved, right? They're very love. well they're behaved. Like God given children. Yeah. I, I I'm very lucky. Um, but at first, I really wanted them to like what I gave them because they come from a home where their grandmother is, you know, a Sicilian wonderful cook. Their mother is an Italian wonderful cook. Mm-hmm. And here I am. I've been living in a hotel room for four years on tour, and I don't cook. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god. I don't want them to not like this. So that happened at first. And then I realized, you know what? I'm not here to be liked. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be another parental role. And I can Mm -hmm. see certain things that you need help with and work on. And I'm going to do that, especially if it's easier for me than, let's say, than than their actual parents. And maybe, Mm -hmm. like I said, maybe that's because I'm in the step-parent role. But 
Um, one thing I think I've noticed, not just here, but just in general, is that when people think their kids have a food issue, it's almost never their kids who have a food issue. It's them who have an issue with food that they're putting onto their children. Bingo. And it's very insidious. <laughs> yeah. And even people who are very healthy can still do that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of your listeners are probably young women who eventually will be having kids. And so this is probably something to take note of. And this is just my experience. But there are a lot of moms, too, that listen to this. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. It's almost it's a constant. It's like an age old fight of what happens at the dinner table. Yeah. And so for me, I found it very stressful and I I could clearly see what was happening. And so everyone has their. It, it turns into being a power struggle at the dinner table is what happens. And I think that happens because parents don't know where their power start and ends and where their children's power start and end. Because mm-hmm. we have to be honest, children have a certain amount of power and rights to their own body. Yeah. And and we confuse and, and blur those lines. And so every child is different for how, you know, maybe some kids don't eat at all. Maybe some kids only eat pizza. Maybe some kids don't like vegetables. But I can give you my experience and then we can use that concept and, and spread it along other, you know, other scenarios perhaps. But with Sal's daughter, like I said, she's eight and she does not eat the standard American diet. She definitely eats healthier than than most children her age. But she really likes the starchy carbs. If she could eat pasta and rice and bread all day, that would be her... I mean, she would love to do mm-hmm. that, right? She doesn't want anything else. And she and she doesn't mind vegetables, but she doesn't really like meat. Um, so what I noticed with her is that it was easier for me to feed her in courses and to use that which she wants the most to get her to eat the food that I need her to eat. Mm-hmm. But the goal is not, when, when you ask people what's the goal at dinner, they say, well, to get my kid to eat the food I make. Mm-hmm. No, that's not the goal. The goal is to get your kid to eat the food you make in a way that they have willfully decided to and have created a positive associations with while doing it, or at least have not created negative associations. Mm-hmm. So, so with his daughter, I bring out the vegetables first and I make sure to put a certain amount on there that it, it is the amount I expect her to be able to eat and want her to be able to eat and is balanced with the rest of the food. And when I started doing this, um, I put the plate down and she says, well, where's the rest of my food? And Okay, and then what did you say? And then so I told her there is more food coming, but we're going to eat in courses. And so what's on your plate now, you don't have to eat. It's your body. You decide what you want to eat. But I made the food, and I decide what happens with the food. And we can't have what's next until you eat Mm -hmm. what's on your plate. And this is a part where it's like... That sounds really simple, right? But it's the way you deliver that because I can easily say that with a mean tone Mm -hmm. or or when she says, okay, fine, well, I'm not eating, I can say, okay, well, maybe just eat one. Mm -hmm. Well, well, no. Like I said, this is just, this is not a punishment. This Mm -hmm. is your body. You do whatever you want. And and I'm fine with the outcome. And the problem is, is that (laughs) most parents would assume and hope that their parents or that their child chooses the right Mm-hmm. the right choice that I'm going to eat what's on my plate. Well, guess what? They might not do that yeah. because they're going to find the limits of where their power ends, just like you're trying to with them. And they're going to push you and they're going to say, you know, one of the things they might say is, well, what if I just eat two or I don't want this or I'm really hungry. And what I do is I, I explain back, you know, why we're doing it this way, but I'm not going to go into a back and forth dialogue because that is again, giving up my power. Now I'm giving the power to, 
to this child mm-hmm. that's supposed to be mine and i'm taking away hers by telling her she's wrong about what she needs to eat yeah i want her to feel like she she gets to decide and i want her to do that like i said with positive associations so so okay i'll reiterate once more it's your body you don't have to put anything in it that you don't want to but you can't have the next part of the meal until you eat that and then she'll eat that and i'll bring out the meat mm-hmm. okay and then she eats the meat and then she's happy in the end because then she gets what she wants in the mm-hmm. end. So I bring her her food. And I explain to her there's a dialogue, not necessarily at the din- dinner table, because I don't want too much dialogue about food mm-hmm. during eating because it's like, then it gets, you know, it gets to be too much talk about it. And I think it's not healthy for them. But I explain, you know, this is not about punishment. This is just a balance. Like food has, you know, mm-hmm. the rice you eat isn't bad. It's not a bad food because mm-hmm. she'll say it's not unhealthy. I, I want to eat that. Well, no, it's not unhealthy. But if you have too much of one thing and not enough of other foods, it mm-hmm. can be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So I'm just giving you the right amount of food. But but the what I'm doing there is I'm basically saying my power is that I have control and power and a right over what I cook and how I serve it and that's and and what I present to these children. Mm-hmm. Her power and their power is what goes into their body. You can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make them drink. Mm-hmm. And it is not in my best interest to force either because that will create a negative association and it will al- also make her feel like I need to be told what I can put in my body. Mm-hmm. That just instills that idea that later on, I'm not going to listen to my own intuition. I'm going to read things to tell me what I'm supposed to eat or I'm going to listen to the fad diets. No, if you say you don't like something, I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to respect that. Mm-hmm. And then after dinner, if what you did is you didn't eat your food, I'm not going to say things like, well, you know what? You don't get to pick the movie tonight because mm-hmm. you didn't eat you know, your vegetables because that's, again, a punishment. And this is not about punishing your kid. Yeah. And so... I know it sounds very simplistic, and the truth is it is. It's just hard to implement because, like I said, it's not usually the kid who has issues with food. It's the parent who has issues with well, their kid and food. It's really important because I've, when I reflect on like my relationship with food and how I fell into eating disorders, and I think about the way I grew up. And when I was at the dinner table, my mom would serve me a big dinner, and then she would make me this small salad and a cup of fruit and i did not want to eat the salad or the fruit after dinner yeah okay and she said and so i'd fill up on all this food right and then she'd say you can't get down from the table until you eat your fruit in salad and i would say i don't want it and she goes well you're not allowed to leave the table until you get down until until you eat it and i would just sit there and i go well then i won't leave the table and then and she, see that's both of you going to the ends of your mm-hmm. force right yeah and then it would turn into we'd get nowhere and then it would turn into okay i'll make you brownies if you eat the fruit and the the Mm -hmm. salad and the salad was iceberg lettuce with ranch dressing on top (laughs) and maybe some shredded carrots okay like 90s salad these these bowls you guys can't they the these bowls were this they were like a literally a cup size mm-hmm. so like the size of my hand so you'd and, get that and a brownie yeah basically so once i ate that i knew and i would just force it down and i was already stuffed and at this point i'm stuffed but i thought okay well i did that hard work of eating this food i don't want so now i'm gonna make room in my stomach for a brownie mm-hmm. and that was also my way of making myself myself feel better mm-hmm. and this eventually was so tied into me falling into binge eating disorder right and turning into food and building those negative associations with then fruit and any type of salad or any type of vegetable like i didn't have any type of vegetable literally until i was 20 no besides that i've never met anyone like yeah i did not have any yeah no water no vegetable like 
fruit if it was in the form of a dessert. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The same way. Right. Terrible. Right. And I think a lot of that was rooted in the way that was presented to me. And she didn't mean to do that. No, but it makes me so much more aware now. Yeah. But I think that that's why I think people need to keep sight of the fact that what is the goal? The goal is to have your kid eat the food, feel like they have decided to on their own willfully and to create positive associations while doing so or at least not create negative ones. Mm -hmm. So when it turns into a power struggle where now you're bartering with your kid and you say, well, eat two and I'll give you that. Mm -hmm. Now what you're doing is you're giving up your power. Yeah. And of course, if you're going to do that to a six, seven, eight year old, they're going to take it because again, they're trying to find where their power ends. You already know. Mm -hmm. And so they expect you to create that clear line and that clear and consistent, you know, barrier. And so, and I, I think that that's respectful because, you know, sometimes... Sometimes kids have taste buds and they don't like certain things. Yeah. And sometimes kids are full. And mm-hmm. when you want them to eat, they don't want to. Mm-hmm. And and maybe they're listening to, maybe they have less barriers to the signals their bodies are sending them. And we are trying to push onto them the things we've been, you know, told by the fitness industry or, or whatever. And it's not, maybe they're the ones with the right answer. So I want to respect that. And that doesn't mean that your kid has the right idea when he wants to eat ice cream all the time. Mm-hmm. No, like I said, uh, my right is what I buy and what I present. And your right is what you put in your body. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to respect that. So do you buy any treats? How do you handle that with like um, junk food? Good question. Because it's not, because it sounds as though I'm saying we don't ever have any of that stuff. We do. Um, and it's... It's a fact of life. It's, it's there. Yeah. You can't just pretend it's not there. And oftentimes you can use it to your advantage. And that doesn't mean, hey, eat two bites of this and I'll give you a popsicle. But you can use it to your advantage in that when you tell your kids about balance that, yes, you can have this sweet because it fits in, mm-hmm. in the rest of what you ate and it makes sense now. Um, but we have, you know, the kids eat things like popcorn or frozen yogurt and we tend to get like the healthy version of most things and organic stuff and we limit it. But... I mean, sugar exists in our house. Yeah. I mean, the kids are the ones that helped me when I said I I did the 40 days of Lent without chocolate because I can tell myself I'm not going to do something and then just the next day say, oh, well, never mind, I'll do it. But when I told them, they were like, okay, (laughs) you're not going to do it. So I'm like, if I expect them to have a little bit of like discipline, I can have that too. So How, how do you incorporate those foods without, again, making it like a treat? You know, like building, like like as a, a reward. Do you know um, what I mean? Yeah, so that can be tough, but also it's not, ne- I know people say, well, don't use it as a reward because it's not. Sometimes in some ways it can be in the sense that if we are at a party or if we're mm-hmm. celebrating, I think there was something we were celebrating recently. Um, oh, I can't remember. But one of them did something very good at school and we mm-hmm. thought, okay, let's celebrate. And we had a, a treat. Mm-hmm. And we're telling them in not so many words and words they'd understand that it's good to experience mm-hmm. these things together if what you're taking from that is the experience mm-hmm. and and the shared experience, not just, okay, we get to do this, yeah. so we're going to have ice cream tonight, so you quickly will foot down be- before I even sit down. No, that's not mm-hmm. what we're doing. Yeah. Know? So I think... It's not, a, it's not about the food. The food is just there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it still that one's insidious too, though, about not making it a reward because you know sometimes, sometimes when your when your kid asks for something and they've been 
you know, good all day or whatever, and their diet has been healthy or whatever, and you say, yeah, okay, then you're like, oh, man, I just reinforced that as like a, mm-hmm. as a treat, and I didn't even mean to. That was completely unwittingly done. And it happens, but you keep it in check. And like I said, it's like the same thing with anything else. You have mm-hmm. to be an example. And that kids are very smart. Yeah. And we like to think that they don't know what's going on, but they do. No, they're smart. Yeah. Absolutely. And so if we just eat a certain way and we have certain things in the house and, and we ha- and we don't have certain things in the house, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And so. Do you have any tips for people who say my kids just won't eat vegetables? Well, you can try the, um, the course thing, like I said. Mm-hmm. And so here's the thing. You have to work within the limits of the child and you have to grow those limits. So if your kid eats no vegetables at all, then you're not going to go put a big plate of like steamed spinach on their on their plate and say you don't get anything until you eat the next one yeah but you can start with a little bit of something that you know is probably more palatable Mm -hmm. and again it's the it's the delivery it's not hey eat this and you don't get what's next until you eat that i'm gonna get mad at you until you do it's okay you don't have to eat it that's Mm -hmm. fine but what's coming you don't unfortunately you don't get to have then because these go together Okay, well, I'm not eating. Okay. And you have to be okay with that. And that's very hard. But trust me, your kid's not going to starve themselves. Okay, let's see the next night comes and he does it again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, guess what? He's not going to do it for, for yeah. too long. Because what are kids? They are conditioning machines. Mm-hmm. You condition them. And you, if you tell them, and if you're very consistent, then they know that that's a hard wall. That, that is, that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. If you're not consistent sometimes, they're going to forever think they can play with that line. They're never going to know where the line is. Yeah. So... It's a matter of, like I said, knowing and exerting your own power appropriately and respecting theirs. Mm-hmm. And so a kid, trust me, a kid will eat vegetables if that's what they have to do to eat. Yeah. And you can you can switch stuff up for them. It's not like you can say, well, it has to be this one vegetable all the time and I know they hate it. I mean, tr- play with different foods. Yeah. I don't, the one thing I don't like, and I'm not saying I don't understand the intention behind it, I do, but when people are like, just try it, just try it once, just try it, I just want you to see you never tried it, guess what, I have never tried something with the feeling of I hate this and I don't want to do this yeah. and liked it, yeah. because because the feelings associated, yeah, associated are, like I hate this, Yeah. so it doesn't work, so I like the idea of, I'm not ignoring them, but I don't acknowledge the fight. Mm-hmm. If they're going to keep asking me after I've told them, no, you don't have to eat it, I just I just stop answering. Mm-hmm. I just continue a conversation doing something else. And then what will a child do sometimes? They will get very loud and, and try and disrupt the dinner. And then I'll say, well, you know, we have a right to have a nice dinner and you're interrupting that so you can go in your room. Mm-hmm. A- and that's it. I mean, it's just, it's a very hard stance. It's not a mean stance. Mm-hmm. It's not a I'm mad at you stance. It's just a very clear yeah. line. Yeah. Got to so. put your foot down. Well, yeah. And like I said, I have the advantage of being maybe in a step-parent role, so maybe that's a lot easier for me. But the fact is, is that like we talked about earlier, when we walk around with, you know, with our hands up saying, I don't know why this is happening. Well, no, we know why. There's a very clear, mm-hmm. obvious reason why. And we can choose to do something about it or not, but let's not deny that there's an obvious answer. Yeah. So. How long have you and Salvin together now? Um... Almost two and a half years. Not not very long, actually. How did it How did it transition from? So you were at the gym that he owned at the time, right? He didn't own it. He was just uh, working was there, working but he out. had owned it prior to that. Yeah. And then how did it transition into you guys dating? Um, <laughs> um, I came back to the gym one night. So I, when I met him, he was still married. So I, to me, I was just he was just this person yeah. I worked with, and he was interesting, cool. I listened to his podcast, but that's you know mm-hmm. where it ended. And um, 
I was on a date one night and I, it was a horrible date. <laughs> and I came back to the gym afterwards just because it was on my way. And I wanted to see if anyone was there. And, and he was there and he was saying, you know, he and his wife had, had split up actually. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, from then on, we just, we got to know each other more like coworkers do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I assumed he was going through something very, you know, I'm very empathetic. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that he knew that we were all there for him. So we, I had a time where I said, because I was still new there at this mm-hmm. time. I told him and the owner, hey, why don't we get together and like get to, we're coworkers. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's self-employed here. So you can really lose that feeling of having like coworkers yeah. because they're not necessarily your coworkers. So I was like, let's go do something. So they're like, okay. And then on the last minute, the other girl canceled. So it was just, just me and Sal. And we just talked forever. I mean, I think we talked until like four in the morning Mm -hmm. about just, I mean, I think I showed him something like he said a word that was kind of an obscure word. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I, I think I said something like, I'm into words. He's like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, no, look. And I showed him that I keep this list of like really obscure words and uh-huh. what they mean because I just, I don't know. I like that. And yeah. he was, I thought, and as I'm showing him, I'm like, oh God, this guy's going to think I'm such a nerd. Yeah. And then he was like, oh my God. He's, he's like, I do something too. like that. And I was like, cool. <laughs> so then he starts teaching me. And I'm, like I said, if I'm into something, I just really delve into it. So I was really into training at the time, but I was new and I didn't know I didn't know the right information, but I finally knew that I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. So I asked him, I said, you know, explain to me shoulders and the knees and how they work and how to diagnose this and, you know, how to assess your clients. And I just, I mean, I, he was like my mentor for that for a very long time. And then it just went on from there. And then we just fell very, very hard for each other. And and that was it. Wow. What's it like dating someone who is like like what's it like dating someone in the mind pump world <laughs> i think it's so interesting um it doesn't feel like i'm dating somebody in the mind pump world <laughs> i don't know if anything i feel like do you listen to their podcasts oh all the time definitely i feel a part of of uh-huh. the whole thing i mean even katrina too adam adam's girlfriend i mean we all are very supportive and give what we can and when sal comes home and talks about his day or the things he wants to talk about. I mean, I'm here to support him in not in a, not in a way that is self-interested, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. but whatever is good for the podcast or the evolution of what he's trying mm-hmm. to do. So I feel very involved in that way. And I feel like, you know, impressed to watch this, this business grow and to see them grow with it. And I think sometimes they forget where they were sometimes too, but I, you know, I can remember when I first met them, they were just, they didn't even have this big studio that yeah. they had now. They were just renting a place in Willow Glen and and it's just evolved so quickly and I mean I spur him on like he'll come home and say I said I went off and I said something controversial and I don't know if I should have said it. I'm like no, that wasn't controversial <laughs> enough. Like yeah. you go for it and like people want to hear you and has there ever been anything he said that you like disagree with or got mad that he said? No, I don't think so. Um not that I can think of. Um, I mean, he's very, he's a very open person, uh-huh. especially when you're on a medium where you're talking and you're, I mean, it's kind of cathartic. So you're yeah. going to get into stuff, whatever. And I think one of the girls, um, 
that listens because there's a mind pump forum said something to me one time like oh god I bet you must cringe sometimes and I'm like no not really because I'm also very open yeah I'm an extremely open person so and I'm real too so I'm not gonna lie about certain things or sugarcoat things like we're real people and we have real problems or real things happen to us or or we can be crude or lewd or or pompous or whatever these are all different facets of what make him him and I and I love that so I think it's great. I mean, maybe I don't agree. Like if if something comes up and I say, well, I think you might have explained that, you know, not as well as you could have. Or Mm -hmm. do you think that what you said is is really true or maybe it's this? Like I I can challenge that. We challenge each other very much. So that might happen. But again, it's in the interest interest of the show and not really a self-serving interest, which which I kind of like because I didn't know that – I didn't realize I could be such support for him. So I like being able to be that. I keep telling them, I'm like, I really want you guys to have a podcast where you all bring on your significant others because I think that would be so funny. You know, I've heard that a lot and I that sounded really cool at first, but here's the thing. First of all, it'd be so many voices. It would be so many. And I also feel that we're moving into this space now where, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not on par with mind pump that's for sure but i have an instagram i have a following mm-hmm. i i'm doing a podcast with you now mm-hmm. i did one on the female experience and i'm my own voice so yeah. i do, what i don't want is to be an extension yeah of sal and that's not not because that's a bad thing but because what i'm finding is like i told you earlier people sometimes come to me and dm me or ask me questions thinking that i am sal mm-hmm. and i'm not i'm a different person i offer different things if we were exactly the same one of us would be redundant right yeah so I think that I, I want to disassociate from that as much as possible and just stay independent in what I do. And I mean, if they ever yeah. ask me to, I think that would be awesome too, but mm-hmm. it's not what I'm going for. Yeah. That's why it can be hard sometimes to like, cause you have your own things to say and a lot of your own knowledge and you are different, even though you guys are similar, you're yeah. different. Right. And it can also be hard because in a situation like that, I mean, I dealt with this with my old boss. Like I felt like everybody is just, trying to get to me to get to her yes you know and that I'm happens like, a lot i'm like message her then reach out to her like well i think what happens is a lot of people feel like if they message me or follow me that they feel closer to him mm-hmm. and given my obsessive personality that i mentioned when i was younger i was the same way when it came to like celebrity figures or whatever so i understand it and i understand it's not a i don't take it personally but you know that's that's not what i'm here for so mm-hmm. it's like that only goes so far. So if you want to follow me for that, fine. But I'm not going to indulge it. Yeah. Do you think he's a celebrity? I think he's becoming more of a celebrity, which is hilarious and so surreal. We'll be out eating dinner and somebody will come up and be like, oh, my God, it's Sal Stefano." Oh, my gosh. You guys, he actually walked in. He's in He's in here. Sal, say hi. What's up? <laughs> he snuck in. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank this you for having me. So good. So, if people want to maybe work with you or head to your Instagram, where can they find you? Um, so, I'm on Instagram at the Training Hour, and I will be having a website soon that's under construction, and that's also thetraininghour.com. Awesome. I'm excited to see your new website. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Jessica. Make sure you follow her on Instagram at the training hour. She is incredible and has a lot of really great posts. I had so much fun talking with her and I would definitely love to have her back on the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please let her know. Let her know how much you loved it. I would love to hear feedback from you about this episode. 
And I think that's all I have for you this week. Make sure you check out the info about the retreat and get ready for signups for my Paleo Woman Lifestyle program starting in July. Sign up to the end of June. And that's going to be it this time. So I hope you guys have a great day and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye.